All right, good afternoon, New Philly. How you feeling? All right. All right, it's been a, a blessed two weekends, and uh, we've had a fantastic time these last uh, 48 hours with uh, the IHOP crew that has come. And uh, today, uh, we're going to have uh, one of the IHOP leaders that's visiting us. He's going to be speaking to us here at Hillside. Um uh, his name is Pastor Ronnie Henderson, and uh, uh, Ronnie's been uh, serving, uh, he, he used to be a pastor, and now he's currently serving as a leader at IHOP, International House of Prayer, and he visited us about, exactly about a year ago, and uh, just released uh, just many blessings and impartations, and, and he's come back to give us a sequel, hallelujah. <laughs> and so we've been just so blessed to uh, spend time with him. And to uh, just to receive his ministry. All right. So let's put our hands together. Show some love for Ronnie Henderson. Thank you. Thank you, brother. It is such a privilege. I'm losing it here. Such a privilege being here. And uh, I, I, I delight uh, upon you and rejoice over what the Lord is doing in your midst. And uh, I just, uh, from an outside eye looking in, the Lord is doing awesome things. And uh, I, I rejoice. And um, today I, I want to, before we, I jump into the message, I, I just want to, again, just to bring your attention to some of the product this is a, a, a series of teaching by Stephen Bochamp. It's, it's called Isaiah 61 Anointing. And uh, this is a good teaching that Stephen has done, an excellent teaching on how to, to get set free, how to walk out your healing and deliverance. And uh, there's just power on it. And so you, I just want to challenge you to grab a hold of this. It, it really is Isaiah 61, Breaking Free. And uh, healing, breaking the power of the enemy off your life and walking in your healing. And uh, anything you want to say about Stephen? <laughs> Anointing on it. <laughs> Again, I, I have a teaching here on the calling forth burning and shining lamps by Mike Bickle. Guys, this is historical teaching concerning houses of prayer. Uh, uh, from, from the beginning of the church in uh, Jerusalem. And uh, but going through history to the Catholic church, to the Protestant church. And I, I, this is one of the most amazing teaching. And I just want to challenge you. It's just a, it's a one teaching. It, it, and so just grab a hold of it. Have you heard it, Christian? Here you go. If you haven't, pass it along. And, uh, this is a teaching on the book of Revelation. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's an intense teaching, an uh, overview, and just a, uh, just a complete teaching on it. And, uh, you know, I just want to challenge you to grab a hold of it. Take, a, take six months to a year. And you're grabbing a hold of it quickly, aren't you? And, uh, and, uh, but, but just, uh, uh, it is amazing teaching, okay? And there's actually a workbook that you can get to go with it. Song of Solomon. First commandment in the first place. And, uh, and, and, and the, the seven churches of Revelation. Okay? Let me back over there. Okay, there we go. Guys, in, whatever you've got, just enjoy it, share it, but also purchase what's left on the table. We don't want to go back to America with none of it. And uh, but please grab a hold of it. We bring it not in a place of trying to to make money and stuff on it. Yet we will. Uh, but the, 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 the but the reality is, it is a resource for you. And uh, and and that's the reason uh, we we actually it was kind of neat. We had Caleb picks us up. He says, "Whose pink suitcase is this?" And we, we got this big hot pink suitcase that it's actually Gabrielle's. But it's the only thing we had to really bring it. So we're carrying resources through the airport in a hot pink suitcase. <laughs> Two guys, okay? We got to look a little strange. And, uh, but, 
But listen, let us leave the hot pink suitcase here. <laughs> Amen. And um, hey, t- today I want to jump into the place of the message. Uh, it- it's kind of interesting. We uh, Pastor Christian basically said, "Hey guys, y'all teach it this week in the place of intimacy and passion." He said, "This is where we're at as a church." And and so Steve and I have been preparing separately. But it's dovetailing quite nicely. And uh, actually, I, I said, Stephen, I said, Stephen, some of the stuff you said last night, I was going to say. <laughs> and he said, yeah. And I'm sitting here talking to him about a, one of the things I'm going to share this morning. He said, whoa, that's what I'm going to say this afternoon. And I just want you to know that it's not us, but the Lord has plans upon you. Because he has a message that he wants to impart into your hearts. And he wants you to grab a hold of this, that you might be able to be moved into the place of transformation and understand the dynamics of, of what, how he feels, his emotions toward you, towards you. He wants to move you from a place of wrongful thinking into the place of right thinking, using God's word in your life. So often the world tells us who we are. We've heard, had our parents tell us who we are, Right? We've had our grandparents tell us who we are or who we're not. We've had our culture around us dictate who we are. We've had dramatic life experiences that basically has spoke to us and given fear to us and said who we are. We've had authorities in our in our lives that began speaking into us. And uh, uh, in your case. US, normally the U.S. or the uh, Korean government speaking into you and saying, this is who you are. We, had, we actually had this. We actually had the president of the United States, Obama, after he took office, he made a statement. He said, we're no longer a Christian nation. No, he's wrong. He's wrong. We rebuke that. Listen, everybody is trying to tell us who we are. But the word of the Lord is our source. We need to go to the word of the Lord and try to capture the the heart of what the Lord is saying about who we are. And we hold fast to the word of the Lord concerning who we are. And when you, when you come to the grips of the power that's in the word of the Lord, that establishes as who we are, the foundation of who we are, we'll walk upright and we'll be that powerful instrument that won't be swayed by the, by the voices that comes all around us. The voices are there. You know, there's power in his word. There's authority on his word. I want to pray this morning that God would unleash His authority through His Word. That it would accomplish every purpose that's upon His heart. That it would take root, His Word would take root in our lives. That His Word would make transitions and touch us and break in and break everything. Every lie that that comes against us, it would be broken because of His Word. His word is powerful. The Apostle Paul, turn with a second. I'm just, I'll read it. Let me just read it instead of getting your turn there. But Second Thessalonians. This is a prayer that we pray at IHOP all the time. Second Thessalonians three. The Apostle Paul. Calls and and asks the church at Thessalonica. He says, brothers, finally pray for us that the word of the Lord would run swiftly and it would go ahead and it would be honored. He's basically saying, guys, listen, pray that the power of the word of the Lord would be upon our tongue, that it would go forth. Before us, they would accomplish and set things in order before we ever get there. That There's power on the word of the Lord. 
Father, in this house today, we pray this prayer. We pray that there be power upon the word of the Lord. That he would run swiftly, quickly. That he would accomplish your purposes, your plans. That he would strike to the ground every lie of the enemy. That there be strength. That he would build up. That you, Lord, would use your word as a breaker today. They would break in it power. That your word, even as it's spoken, would come like fire. It would come like fire. Fire on your word. They would change mindsets. That it would come and it would bring things that's out of order into order in Jesus' name. Bring everything out of order into order. Use your word as a powerful force. Come like a sword with your word. Cut to the very deep places in our heart and to our life. Use your word. Listen, there's power in the word of the Lord. Many years ago, there was a study that was done at Harvard University concerning the Word of the Lord. Now you say, Harvard? A study of the Word? Yes. You know, Harvard was actually established as a biblical theological institution in the very beginning. Did you know that? That was the primary focus was the Word of the Lord at Harvard University in the beginning. Now, it's so far off. Actually, we... we we literally had our students at IOPU go to several of the major universities in Boston. One of them, they were actually at the uh, steps at Harvard University praying in the, in the courtyards of Harvard University. And a, and a young man gets healed. His leg, which was broken, he gets healed. And the word of the Lord, as these students were praying, began running through the university. People began coming up, asking them to be prayed for. They were power at Harvard. Now, listen, what I wanted to talk about was the study at Harvard. They did a study. And they had one group that was going to be testing just a normal, had not done anything, but then had another group in the testing process that had been meditating upon God's Word. Okay? He had one that had meditated 30 days upon God's Word. Another group had not. They had actually been tested in advance, and they were pretty equal. But after meditating upon God's Word for 30 days, I want you to know the scores in the ones that had been meditating on God's Word was out the roof. The others were equal. Listen, God's Word, as we look upon it and meditate upon it, carries... Power in our lives. There's power in God's word. It carries authority. And it's important that we look upon it for everything. Everything. I, I, when I, I remember going to, I had in the previous church plant, the church that I pastored, I planted it and pastored it for several years. And uh, after about seven years, I was really getting kind of foggy. I'd been in so much warfare in the church. I mean, it was a day-to-day warfare. And I was getting foggy. My memory was kind of uh, hazy. Uh, I'd go up to do certain things and I'd just be kind of have that fog. You know what I'm talking about. You've ever had that fog? And I remember when I arrived at IHOP, I said, my first place of business is for the next six months. I'm going to meditate on God's Word. I'm going to go into the house of the Lord. I'm going to wait and bask in His presence. And I want you to know, it was like a breaker as God's Word came in and began just removing this this fog off my mind. Listen, many of you, you need to go after God's Word. Even you may not understand, it doesn't make no sense. I don't care if it makes no sense right now. I just want you to get in. And begin meditating. If it's one verse, meditate. Oh, He loves me. Meditate on John 3.16. It doesn't matter. Begin someplace. And meditate upon God's Word. 
There's power. And, and many of you are kind of in a, in a in a tough place. Just, you just seem like you're, you're, you're kind of in the mud. And you can't get out of the mud. Listen, go to God's Word and allow Him through His Word to break you free that you might enter and run with power and authority and grace. Now, I, I'm here bringing a testimony that there's power in His Word. No, don't neglect it. Don't spend more time on TV or in video games. <laughs> or on your PC or on the website or, or, or on the Internet surfing. Surf God's Word. If you really want to make a change, surf God's Word. Meditate upon it, day and night. It'll it'll be a strength to your body, to your mind, and you'll be useful. Now, this morning, I want to talk about the motions of the Lord. One of the key things is for us to learn to study and to embrace the motions of God. And, uh, and to, to grab a hold of an understanding of how the Lord really feels about us. You know, if we come to the place of understanding this depth of what God feels about us, you know, we'll change. Our actions will, will come into a place of being able to go before the Lord in, in, a, in a different level of boldness and courage. To understand through God's Word how He looks upon us as sons. And Stephen said it last night. He said, you know, there's three, three faces uh, in this season of a son. We come before him as a son, as a, as a bride. And what was the other one? Come on. They were listening, Stephen. And, uh, and, and uh, he's going to talk. Now, listen, he's going to be at Etiwan tonight. Etiwan tonight. Is that correct? Etiwan? Okay. You know, some of you guys are already talking Southern. <laughs> Mina's up here talking Southern with me. And she's from Maryland. We, we can't wait. We'll be hanging out with her much longer, and she'll be a total Southern girl. And, uh, but he, you're going to talk on the priesthood some this afternoon. And I just want to encourage you. Don't miss that. Even if this is your home church, come on. Just come on over to the other location and, and, and hear what the Lord is saying concerning the priesthood. It's your privilege. You know, it would it not be a sad thing for you to go through all life and never discover who you are? Galatians. I'm going to read these scriptures. Actually, Mina, I think we, we have these. We're putting these on their Facebook. This is my notes are going to your Facebook. Because I want you to, I want you to grab these scriptures. And this is important for you to grab it and begin meditating upon it. In uh, Galatians 3.26. This is for, and, th- and then also Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But 3.26 says this. I'm going to kind of separate it. I'm going to go quickly here. For you are all sons, daughters of God. Through faith in Jesus. Your sons. Your daughters. Now now listen. If you're not a Christian. If you've not made Jesus Lord of your life. You need to find a part of, of Christian's leadership team. And you need to deal with that today. You need to become a son. But for the rest of you. Your sons. Your daughters. The most high. God, through Christ Jesus. Verse 4, 4, 4. God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions. As sons. Now, now listen. This adoption. I mean, I, I read an article not long ago about adoption. Th- this is not 
just you have full rights as an adopted son. I mean, in the world of uh, of the. Uh, the Jewish world, when you became in the in the Roman world, in the Jewish world, when you became an adopted son, you took on full inheritance. Every part of you were was the same. You you belonged to this one that was your father. You took on his full inheritance. This is who you are, full inheritance. You're, you're not the, the ugly duckling of the family. You're not Cinderella. You're not a stepchild. You took on full inheritance. And because you're sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his son into your heart. Crying out, Abba, Papa, Father. Therefore, you're no longer a slave. Listen, we have to get rid of our slave mentality and our slave mindset. You're no longer a slave. Are you acting that way? You're no longer that. And if you're a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ Jesus. First John 3 1 says this Behold, what manner of love is this that the Father is bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Do you feel that? You feel that? Just let that roll over you. Jesus makes it clear here that God's our Father. We relate to God by the means in which He has laid forth in His Word. On His terms. Not on our terms. But on the basis of who He is. Who He says we are to Him. And how we would relate to Him. The Spirit of Jesus, the Son, lives in us. Now, we've been seeing the, the Spirit of the Lord. Let me make this clear. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is omnipresent. It means He's inside of you. It also means He's hovering over you. Okay? When we see the power of God come upon you, He's omnipresent. He's in us. He's through us. He's radiating out of us. He's hovering over the top of us even now. It comes like fire. It comes like wind. He's everywhere. If you don't know him, he's coming to get you. And if he's come to God, if he's come and he's got you, he's taking you somewhere. And when you don't want to go, I won't say it. He's your escort. Through His Son, we build relationship with our Father in heaven. Through Him, the same confident love and privilege and assurance that Jesus Christ has is for you and I. That we can come before Him as a son, just like Jesus. Jesus even goes as far as to say that the love, and we read the scripture, the same love that the Father has for him is the same love that the Father has for you. John 17. You have loved them as you have loved me, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. 
Come on, guys. You're in the Godhead. Do you realize that? That you're in that mix of the Trinity. I'm loving you. You're my son. I mean, you're, you're in the midst. This is how he thinks about you. He has great emotions for you. He rejoices and he has gladness over you. But because of our sin, listen, because of our sin, this is where Stephen was last night, because of our sin, lack of true repentance and bad experiences and examples that our natural fathers demonstrate unto us, we always fail to relate properly to God. Nevertheless, the truth remains and beckons us to believe what the Lord is saying about you and I. He's our Father in heaven. He's full of mercy and full of grace, full of compassion, full of strength. I mean, He's he's always bearing with us. He's inviting us to abide in Him. He has power that He wants to extend to us. He has affections and desires for you and I. Do you know that our God has emotions? He made us with emotions. You and I have emotions, right? Guess what? We're made in His image. We're called to be bold and confident sons and daughters. And we need, are called to know Him as the Father. It says that the Father crushed the Son on the cross in order for this to be a reality in our lives. Now, we must get a right understanding of God, okay? This is what we're talking about. In 2 Corinthians, this is a crazy passage. It says, beholding the glory. This is 2 Corinthians 3.18. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image as the Lord from glory to glory. Listen, as you behold Him, as we learn to behold Him, as we look upon Him, we're being transformed into His image. Now, but here's the issue. Here's the problem. It's whatever you're beholding, whatever you're looking upon, you're being transformed into that. So what are you beholding? I got some laughing. Some that's kind of very concerned. If you're looking upon pornography. If you're beholding pornography. You're opening doors for immorality. This is what you're becoming. If you're. Looking upon whatever you're looking upon, whatever you're gazing and fixing your eyes upon, you're becoming. This is what I'm saying. We have to look upon the word. When I was, I remember uh, leaving seminary. I'd been about two years from seminary and I was birthed in this church and I really needed to get away for a retreat. So I found this, I went to a seminary library in Atlanta and uh, where we had birthed a church. And I remember walking through just saying, God, I, I need you. I need to, to just uh, be refreshed. I need to be touched. And as I'm walking through, I run across a book that was talking about the life of Jesus. Studies in the life of Jesus. And the Lord said, Rodney, you'll be a student of my son all your life. Study me. Study my emotions. Study my character. Study who I am. Look, find out who I am. Listen, this is not a history book, yet it is. But it's a story of a life of a man. If we behold Him and learn His emotions and who He is, we behold Him. We set our eyes upon Him. We gaze upon Him. We become transformed into His image. I promise you, this is the way it's done. It seems so simple. Behold Him. Come before His feet. Oh, behold Him. Gaze upon Him. 
holding God's heart refers to studying about it, speaking of it, praying about it. I, I had a, a guy in my church, and uh, I will never forget it. He was a um, he was a mercy ministry person. Okay, and so he was the very first person we brought on our staff. And uh, he said, uh, "What do you want me to do?" After I brought him on staff, I said, "I want you to pray." He said, "But yeah, okay, I can do that. What, but what do you want me to do?" I said, "I want you to pray." And, and so I, I set aside him, set aside hours for him to come before the Lord and pray. I, I really wanted him to pray. And uh, I, and so he he came and every day he would come in. What do you want me to do? I said, "I want you to pray. Go to the altar, pray." But what else? I said, "Pray. Behold him." Gaze upon him. And, uh, and, and for months, I remember several years later, he said, you know, I thought Rodney was the most boring person under the sun. All he wanted to do was to pray, talk about Jesus. That's all he wanted to do. He said, are they nothing more to life than just Jesus? I said, no. I just want to talk about him. I want to tell people about him. I want to gaze upon him. I want to share with you the joy of my salvation. This is what I live for. Him. Behold him. Gaze upon him. Look upon him. And be transformed into his image. You know, as we change our minds and our understandings about God, then He changes our emotions and unlocks our hearts to love more. Many of you, we're in that, you're in that rut, in that tough place, and your heart seems to be stove and it's closed off. And the Lord says, I want to empower your heart. I want to break in. I want to come like a hammer and break in and break your heart and tenderize it that it might feel again. Wrong understanding about God damages our heart and causes disabilities in our walk with the Lord. Wrong understandings. About God damages our hearts and causes disability in our walk. God wants to empower us to be lovers of God. Thus, He reveals Himself as a lover to us. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love, we enjoy or pursue Him because He first loved us. I'll repeat that. First John 4, 19. We love Him because He first loved us. Whew. I love that. Now, I want to spend the rest of our time talking a, a bit about our, the emotions of God. Did you know Scripture says that He's a Father that's glad? Have you ever thought about that? Psalm 16, 9 reads this. Therefore, my heart is glad and my, gl- my glory rejoices. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. First Chronicles 16.27 says, Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and gladness are in his place. Gladness. He looks upon you. He, he ponders upon you and he says, Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> Psalms 21.6 says, For you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad. He looks upon you. He says, I'm glad. 
I'm glad I made them. I'm glad. For real. I'm glad. The motions of our Father that is easy to grasp here is gladness. You know, we'll, we will struggle comprehending His affections for us until we have a foundation and understanding of His gladness over our lives. The Father's capacity for gladness, listen, is infinite. Is infinite. His capacity for gladness is infinite. And it's eternal in duration. It's not just today I'm glad and tomorrow I'm sad. He's glad over you. As we become students of God's emotion, we grow in this revelation of His tender mercy, His kindness, His gladness over our lives. And this understanding of the Father, when we stumble in sin, we'll run to Him instead of away from Him. When you understand His gladness, when you fall in sin... You're going to say, I'm coming to you, Father, help me, cleanse me up. But most of us, we run away in a place of shame. But we come to him. Oh, Daddy, I, I messed up. He said, I'm still glad. I'm still glad. I'm still glad. My daughter emailed me this morning and she said uh, is Gabrielle my youngest she said hey dad I miss you a ton I love you dad bunches she says how has the trip been going dad so what's exciting what's going on exciting in Korea she said oh so I I went rollerblading today <laughs> And you know, Dad, I'm really good. I'm super fast. Uh-huh. I only fell twice. This lady ran into me and I tripped, but for three hours, I didn't fall. Love you, Dad. I'm praying for you and for the ministry. Oh, I was glad. Is a father? Oh, I'm so glad. I remember the first time. Uh, I was the age of many of you that uh, we had our first child. She was. She's 27 now. And uh, her name is Sarah. She's daddy's princess. And uh, but she was, I will never forget, you know, we were so excited. Belinda and I, we got married when I was 21 and Belinda was 19. We waited five years and we had Sarah. And uh, it was so amazing. I want you to know. It was so amazing to see this child that came from 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 Belinda's womb and from our, from from our from us. It came from God, but it came from us. I mean, when she was born, I was so glad as a father. My eyes. I mean, I, she was the most beautiful child in that hospital. Kid you not, she was the most beautiful child that had ever been born up to that day. She was so beautiful. I mean, I would take her up and uh, I would take her from place to place. I knew how, all the nurses in the hospital. They would, and they were, she was premature, so I just made sure that they took care of her before anybody else. I was so glad. I remember sitting with her. And looking at her little toes, she weighed five pounds. And they were real. 
touched her. And she responded. She was so real. And I was so glad. I watched. I've watched as four of my children came forth. And I was so glad. Wait till you have children. Wow. They're real. Now, the, 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 fir, the first one, listen, the first one, I mean, again, I was 25 and Belinda was 23 and we thought they were like glass and they would break if you dropped them. Now, when, by the time Gabby came along, we knew they weren't glass because we had dropped them so many times. The first one, the first one, I mean, if she did anything wrong, I mean, if she became sniffles, we took her to the doctor. One day she fell and uh, off the ca- off a counter. I thought she was, in, I thought she, I was really worse shape than she was. But we went to the hospital, both of us, oh, just freaking out. But listen. I say all this to say, we were glad. And the Father, He's God. His emotions are so much greater than my emotions as a man. I mean, His emotions over you is so powerful. He's so glad. He's not sad that you're born. He knew in advance what you'd be like. And he made you different. All four of my children, they have different personalities. He made them all distinct, all different. And I rejoice over all the differences of my children, all the gifts of my children. But I'm glad. God's glad over you. I want you to experience the motions of gladness. What does the Father feel about you when He looks upon you? What does He feel when He looks upon you? You It's one of the most important questions in all history. When He looks upon you, what does He feel? Now listen, before you start answering that question, I want you to know your sins are underneath the blood of Jesus. He doesn't look upon the sin. He's not looking upon that. So we remove it. Come on. We're going to remove your sin. It's at the foot of the cross. What is he saying? What is he looking upon? I promise you, every one of you, God the Father is so glad over your life. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord God is your strength. When stressful situations arise, and we just need to close our eyes and imagine the gladness of the Lord over our lives. When you enter into that stressful setting, just imagine the gladness of the Lord and what the Lord is saying. For real, this is how we have to go. Now, a second emotion... It really is an emotion. It may not seem like that in the beginning. But I want you to know, Scripture says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think upon you. Thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Listen. The God of creation has time to think upon you. He's thinking about you. Isn't that amazing? What a powerful reality. He thinks 
about us. He's thinking about you right now. He knew before creation that we'd be in this room right now. And you'd come into the revelation, the reality that he's thinking about you. It's almost too good to be true, right? He's thinking about us. He governs all creation. He governs all creation. And he thinks upon me. When I'm going, when I'm coming, when I'm sleeping, when I'm traveling, when I'm in Korea or America, he's thinking about me. He's thinking about you. Oh, please take that. He's thinking about you even now. Good things. Ways to bless you. To bring peace. He's thinking about you. Now, David had first-hand knowledge with the thoughts of God over him. Psalms 139, 17 and 18 reads this. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of all your thoughts toward me. If I should count them, if I could count all your thoughts, they would be more in number than all the sand on the universe. Oh man, I feel the spirit there. Psalms 40 verse 5 says this. Your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and I was to speak all of them, they are more than can be numbered. Samuel 13. I want you to listen, because this is who you are. You're a David. Samuel 13 is the first time that is mentioned in Scripture where God speaks about him. He speaks to the prophet Samuel and he says this. God says that he's a man after my own heart. God, listen, God had been thinking about David from the creation of the earth. And he says, he's a man. After my own heart. First Samuel 16. The prophet goes to the house of, Eli, of Jesse. To seek out this man. And he finds out that this man. That, he's been think, that God has been thinking about. Is a teenage boy. God's thinking about you. He really is. My question has always been what David was doing on the moment in time when God was thinking and whispering to Samuel about him. Could have went something like this. David's doing his mundane things, tending the sheep, same old things, those duties. The Ancient of Days was at the same time the Ancient of Days had wrapped his hands around glory. But he was thinking about David. Talking to the prophet, the greatest prophet of all history. And he's, th- he's telling him about this young teenage boy. This is how the father thinks about you. He likes you. He likes you. Now, a third way is, a f- is the father delights he rejoices over you. This is different than glad. The glad is that time when you see that. Here's the difference. Belinda. I said that Belinda was a 19-year-old bride. I can still remember standing at the front of the church. Had my best men on one side and the maid of honors on the other side. And all of a sudden, I looked at the back of the church. And there was my bride. Oh, I can still see her. And as she came forth, she looked, walks out. She's dressed in white. Beautiful. Everything else disappeared. My eyes was fixed upon her. I was gazing upon her and I was glad. Oh, I can't believe this is happening. She's so 
oh, I mean, I was just totally flipping out. I was looking at the preacher, get this over with. I want to get out of here. That was 31 years ago, this August. Scripture says in Proverbs that we should rejoice in the bride of our youth. Oh, I rejoiced 31 years ago. Not then, but I rejoice now. Those 31 years, four children, one granddaughter. I rejoice in, in her life. I take joy. I delight in her as I think upon her. Oh, I want to be with her right now. Bye. I'm going home. I want to be with my wife. I want to spend time with her. I rejoice in her. Listen, the same way. I rejoice and think upon my wife. The Lord thinks upon you and he rejoices. He jumps up and down and he's excited about you. He's glad over your life and he delights. I want you to capture that. A revelation of of you as his bride, as his son, his daughter, as his priest over you. Psalm 16.3. I know I I need to quickly get going here. I'm going to read these scriptures. But you go back on the Facebook and listen to this. Psalm 16.3. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones. In whom is all my delight. Is that you? Are you one of his saints? Some of you are not sure. You are a Christian, right? You're his saints. And it says, they are the excellent ones. Excellent. Excellent ones. In whom is my delight? Job 33.26 says, He shall pray to God and he will delight in him. He shall see his face with joy. Proverbs 8.30 says, And I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Isaiah 62. And this is a scripture that totally broke open revival in our university. He says, but you shall be... He says, I'm changing your name. And your name means this. I delight over you. Not only do I delight, I'm changing, giving you another name. I'm coming. The name means I'm coming to wed you. I delight over you and I'm coming after you. I delight over you. The Lord say, I delight. I'm coming after you to wed you, to make you my own. Deuteronomy 39 says, The Lord your God will make you abound in all the works of your hand. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. Jeremiah 32, 41. Yes, I will rejoice over them to do them good. And I will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. Zephaniah three seventeen. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Listen, can you believe that? He sings over us. In heaven, he's dancing around, singing over his saints, you and I. And we think he doesn't love us. He's singing, dancing over you and I.
know, we need to apply our name as you get these scriptures. You need to apply these, these names. You need to make it a, a part of your daily prayer life. Apply these names to every ber- verse that I've mentioned. So, Lord, you're dancing over me, Rodney. You take gladness over my life. You made me and you rejoice over me. Rodney, your loved one. You've changed my name. For you delight in me. I mean, you keep going over and meditating upon his word. And you begin placing your name in the word. And taking that on, hold on to it. You know, listen, when we receive a prophetic word, you, we normally have a, we have an option. We have an option to reject the word that's been given to us or to receive the word. Even today, you have an option to receive the word I've spoken to you or to reject it. But when we take the word of God, you, I'm challenging you today to take this word, meditate upon it, and make it your own. You stand with me and let me pray for you. We're going to continue this meeting at Etiwan. For real. I know the subway goes that way. I got a subway pass. I'm headed that way. Just hold your hands out. Just close your eyes. Jesus, Jesus, I ask for revelation to break forth upon each and every one of us. That we would feel, that we would know, that we would feel your emotions of gladness upon our heart, upon our life. That we would feel the very depth of how much you love us. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Release this inside of us. Let us understand that you're dancing and singing and rejoicing over us. Lord, affirm this in our lives. Let us take confidence in who we are, that we might have boldness, like Esther, to come before your throne with that confidence that we're delighted upon by you. That you're rejoicing, you're dancing, you're singing upon us. That every thought that you think upon us every day, Lord, we thank you that you're such a powerful omnipresent God. That you had the capacity to think upon every one of us at the same time. That you planned our footsteps. Oh. That you planned our footsteps. Nothing surprises you. Oh Lord, help us. In the same way, to meditate upon you. Help us, Lord, to receive your word. Oh, God, let your word run swiftly across us, through us. Let it accomplish its purposes, its plans. Let it go to the very deep places. Let every word that stands contrary to the word of the Lord be broken in our life. And Lord, would you usher in the truth. Usher in the truth of how you feel. Usher in the truth of who we are as sons and daughters. Usher in the truth, Lord. Usher the truth in. Lord, your word says. Your word says 
that the truth will set us free. And today we declare the truth of the Lord over our lives. We receive it. We receive it. We receive you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we receive you. We receive what you want to do in our lives. Holy Spirit, we receive in Jesus' name. We receive receive the truth. And we declare freedom. 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 And all God's people said, Amen. I really want you to, I want you to, it's the battle. Your mind is the battlefield. And if you use God's word, Jesus used God's word. And if you will use his word, You'll be free. And you'll be powerful. And you'll rejoice. And you'll walk with Him. And you'll know how He feels. Amen. Amen. Amen.